I find I'm often learning new vocabulary from my children who are 21 and 19. A recent word was slacktivism. The United Nations has defined slacktivism as when people support a cause by performing simple measures but are not truly engaged or devoted to making a change. Slacktivism can mean using social media but isn't limited to online activity. It could mean wearing a badge or a ribbon. Um, engagement is seen as easy as it's low cost and low risk and doesn't take much time. The Urban Dictionary defines slacktivism as the self-deluded idea that by liking, sharing or retweeting something, you're helping out. Mainstream views over the last decade have been more mixed than solely negative. So why am I talking about this? It inherently seems to me to be about agreeing something needs to be done, believing in something, but then not fully entering into the action that needs to happen. In the parable of the two sons that we will look at this morning, one of the sons does just this. He listens to his father. He says, yes, he will do the work and then does nothing. So Matthew writes that Jesus is teaching in the temple. Verses 23 and 26 tell us he was surrounded by a crowd when the high priests and elders come to speak with him. Jesus had just had his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He had unsettled business in the temple by turning over the money changers tables. And then he walks, he walked into the city's holiest shrine, which had been ruled by chief priests and he took over. In verse 23, they ask him about his authority. What is it and who gave it to him? It's clear they don't seek information, but a chance to trap Jesus by his response. Actually, the next time they meet, Jesus will be brought before the council to be judged. Jesus sees this and says he will answer their question if they can answer his. And so he asks them where John the Baptist received his authority from heaven or this world. It's a good question. If the Jewish leaders had understood what John had been doing, they would know the right Jesus had to behave as he did. Jesus had already been anointed by God with the Holy Spirit when John baptised him. The Jewish leaders also knew the crowds around Jesus potentially could become violent if they denied the anointing of John because they believed John was a prophet and so they didn't answer. Jesus then tells three parables to the Jewish leaders as part of a response to the questions they've asked him. In this first parable, we hear about the difference between the attitudes and actions of the two sons. But really Jesus is describing people who did what John said, even though they looked like rebels against God. When other people refused to do what John said, even though they looked like God's chosen ones. Jesus is challenging the status quo here, doing more than telling us about an obedient and a disobedient son. He is clear, the first son who rudely tells his father he doesn't feel like working today, but then does, stands for the tax collectors and prostitutes. They seem to be saying no to God in their daily life, but when they heard John, they changed their mind and their lifestyle. 
and they turned around. The second son, who politely tells his father he will go to work, but then doesn't, stands for the temple leaders. They look like they're doing God's will, worshipping in the temple and keeping up appearances, but they refuse to believe John's message, not only about repentance, but about the Messiah standing in their midst. So Jesus here is talking about radical change. He is the God of new things, turning the status quo on his head, on its head, and challenging those who say the right things but have got comfortable. So what does this mean for us? Firstly, I think true listening does a, involves a response. We can tell when someone is not really interested in us because they don't respond to us. There is a very off-putting exercise in active listening training, which is when in pairs we take turns not responding to the other when the other talks. Some of us may have experienced this um, outside of an exercise scenario. It feels hard, doesn't it, to continue talking. Real active listening is responsive. In John 10, 1 to 10, John says the sheep recognise his voice and come to him that he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Again, a listening and a response. They move, they come to him, they respond. How much of our listening to God in prayer, in reading his word, in hearing from God, then results in our action? Maybe that's something for us to think about this week. What can we do practically to help us listen to God better. When we do, how are we responding to what we have heard? Secondly, it's our actions that define us. Jesus says the chief priests and elders, reading of the story is right, but their correct thinking is belied by their actual behavior. Jesus denounces them for playing the role of the disobedient son. Jesus is saying this, is more than appearances, that we can say the right things, even as the chief priests and Pharisees did at the temple, but we have to be willing to obey in our actions. The first obedient son was uncomfortable and maybe inconvenienced. Maybe he was in the middle of doing something else. Maybe he wanted the easier, more straightforward path. Or maybe, often like me, he had his own plans and was busy. Are we willing to be interrupted? Like the son who says no, it's important that we're honest with God. We can tell him how we feel. And God longs for us to bring our thanks, our praise and our grumpiness to him too. But still to follow him because he knows what is best for us. And he deserves our obedience and our sacrifice. Thankfully. God doesn't expect us to do this on, on our own. He gives us his Holy Spirit. I love the passage in Ezekiel 36, when God talks of his promises to the exiles, when he says, I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. I love this translation, a responsive heart. This is God's work in our hearts tenderizing our hearts and tuning our ears, equipping us to act and change.
And so we need to actively listen to God. We need to respond with our actions. And lastly, we need to embrace God's new thing in our lives. Both as individuals and a church, we need to listen to God and act. Our faith in God needs to be more than a form of slacktivism, but whole body, whole life, radical discipleship. Douglas Hare says about the Jewish leaders in this passage, as religious leaders, they claim to be faithfully obedient to God, but they are blind to the fact that authentic obedience includes responding in faith to the new things God is doing. What new things is God calling us to? Do we need to be ready to be interrupted, inconvenienced, and get involved with God's new thing in our lives and the lives of others? May God give us the faith, strength and boldness to do so. And now a prayer. Jesus, help us not to box you into our lives, but to be truly open to you. Renew our imaginations, take away any stoniness or stubbornness, and please give us tender, responsive hearts, Lord. We are sorry for when we have said yes to you and then gone off in the other direction. Jesus, we want to say yes again to you, Lord. And our yes be in our actions, whether small or big. Help us to be open to your interruptions and see that what is inconvenient is sometimes your will. To be brave enough to step out into the unknown, trusting that you have us. We thank you that we can trust in your promises. Thank you for your amazing love and faithfulness. Help us as we go from here to delight in your truth and your goodness. Amen.